We turn in God's Word this morning to the book of Colossians. We're going to pick it up at verse 7, and we will consider this morning verses 7 through 17, Lord willing. This evening we'll be back and finish the book of uh, Colossians as we look at Colossians 4, verse 18, a very personal and passionate and blessed request from the Apostle Paul, remember my chains. This morning, though, it's verses 7 through 17 as we consider it under the theme of fellow servants. We pick it up then at Colossians 4, verse 7. Tychius will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Ephaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that he may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God, for I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis." Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nymphia and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And I say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Thus far, the reading of God's breathed out word to us this morning. Let's bow in prayer once again. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your written word. We think that we can thank you that we can take it home and read it by ourselves. And yet, we have the privilege this morning of hearing it proclaimed off the pulpit. We know it's pastor by voice, but we know it's you preaching. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word proclaimed. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. We'll look at this subject under three headings this morning, three main points. First of all, Paul's understanding. Secondly, Paul's acknowledgement. And thirdly, Paul's reminders. Paul's understanding, Paul's acknowledgement, and Paul's reminders. First of all, Paul reminds us as we look at verse 7 that he is a servant. If you read with me again, as we come to the middle there, he, that is, Tychius, is a beloved brother and faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord. Well, if he is a fellow servant, then Paul is saying, I too am a servant. The Greek word that is used here is the word diaconius, from which we get the word deacon. But it has some very interesting variations of meaning. 
Now, it's not that the meanings take us in wildly different directions. They're just different ways of stating it that lead our minds to think of this word in different ways than perhaps we normally think of it when we hear the word deacon, right? When we hear that word deacon, most of us think the guys who stand up somewhere about in the middle of the service take the little baskets and pass them and distribute them. The word, however, has some much deeper meanings than that. So Paul is saying, I am a deacon. I am a fellow servant. It means to raise up dust by moving hurriedly to serve. Now think of that picture. To raise up dust because of one being in a hurry to serve, to come to the need of someone. So you think of the Middle East and a dry and dusty place. So someone getting up, not slowly and saying, oh, I suppose I got to do that and kind of drudgingly going about some... No, one who gets up quickly, one who hurries. It actually has the idea of one who runs. A, a deacon, as it was used in Greek, was sometimes referred to as the runner, the one who ran, the one who took something somewhere, the one who went to someone's aid. A deacon, a fellow servant. The running of an errand for another. The ministering to others. A waiter. One who performs service. An administrator. Paul says, I am a deacon. Now understand who this, this is the Apostle Paul, right? This is the missionary to the Gentiles. This is a, a man who is well-trained. We, we get his lineage in the background, right? A Pharisee of Pharisees of the tribe of Benjamin, zeal and so on. But he, he's a man who is an apostle of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And yet, Paul identifies himself as the servant. I'm the deacon. But notice Paul is not saying, I am the deacon. I am the only deacon. I, Paul, the apostle, the great missionary, am a deacon, the deacon, the only one who truly can wear this title. No. Paul says, Tychius is my fellow servant. Paul recognizes, you see, and teaches us the fact that not only he is one of these deacons, but that there are others, that he is not alone, that the church is full of these servants. Of these deacons. In fact, all those who are members of the body of Christ are to be deacons. The word can take on either a feminine or a masculine side of it. Oh, yes, there's this office, there's this calling, 
There's this place within the church of those who are deacons, but actually that deacon, as we call them, as we ordain them, as we give them an office, are simply the output of all of the deacons of the church. That's there's, you know, there's, some people raise big things about, well, the Bible says there are deaconesses. Well, of course there would be in the church. Because every female believer in Jesus Christ is to be a servant. Every male member of the church is to be a servant. And Paul is simply saying, I am one of those. I am not higher. I am not better than. I am one of those. And I recognize that the church is filled with deacons. Which means then, does it not, that those who receive the calling, those who are then ordained and installed as deacons in the church, should be what? They're to be the best runners. They're to be the ones who are the best waiters. They are to be the ones who, who are raising the most dust to come to the knee of others. They are to be the best administrators, the best dispersers, as we have in Acts to the poor. They are to be those who, out of the collective body of servants, become the example of servanthood that we are to all be striving for. They are to be Christ in this world. But I think Paul is making another point here as well. He's reminding us of that which he has, that he gives to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right? That there is one body, but there are many members. There is one head, but there are many parts. See, Paul is not saying it's all about me. Paul has come to the understanding and is laying before us here as he closes this book of the fact that he is a servant of Jesus Christ. And that there are many servants and he's recognizing them. He is going to acknowledge them in a few moments. It's a good reminder to every pastor, every minister, every reverend, every doctor, every domini, to use that old term, that they're not the servant. In fact, they need to be reminded oftentimes that they are to be a servant, that the dust should not be gathering under their feet but the dust ought to be billowing behind them in their rush and in their desire to serve. And that the people of God raise up a mighty cloud of dust as we all fulfill our responsibility as servants, as deacons who minister 
to one another and in this world. Secondly, then, is Paul's acknowledgement. That's what takes up the vast majority of what I have read, right? He's acknowledging what? He's acknowledging people. He's acknowledging those who, who Paul is saying, I, I, I recognize in my circumstance, in my situation at this moment, that I am surrounded by fellow servants. There's this fellow in particular, Tychius. He's a servant. But, but he also mentions Onesimus. You remember who Onesimus is? Onesimus is a runaway slave who has, been, who has come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is looking at Onesimus and saying, that's my fellow servant as well. He's my equal. And then he goes on to mention others, right? Aristarchus. Mark, isn't that an interesting one? Paul considers Mark, who is the cousin of Barnabas, to be one of these fellow servants. You say, well, what's so outstanding about that? Remember who Mark is? Mark is the guy who earlier in the book of Acts, Paul had said, I don't want him going on with another journey with me. I don't know about this guy. I'm not sure that I want to take him on another missionary journey. And it leads to a great dispute between Paul and Barnabas. Paul goes one way, Barnabas goes another. But here's the beauty of the gospel, right? Here we are in Colossians, and what is Paul saying? Ha, ah, I got this guy, this, this, this Barnabas, I got this, this Mark, and, and Mark is with me. He's one of my fellow servants. Oh, the beauty of this reconciliation that we see taking place before our very eyes. And, and Paul is actually recommending him and saying, yep, I, I, I hope he gets there. I've said good things and you accept him, accept him, please. He's, he's a fellow servant. He's one of these fellow dust raisers. But he also mentions a fellow by the name of Demas who at this particular time, at the writing of Colossians, is one of Paul's fellow servants. But there's sad news about Demas. If you turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul in this personal letter, see, Timothy is written from Paul to Timothy, an individual. Go down to verse 9. Do your best, that's he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, same guy, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. In Colossians, he's noted as a fellow servant. It's with sadness that we have to turn to this passage and find out that Demas didn't stick it out. That Demas didn't fulfill his ministry. That Demas deserted, left. It's a sad situation. For, for here, he's, he's one of those fellow dust raisers. One of the fellow runners in the pack. 
but he's going to fall off. He's not going to be there in the end. But there is more encouraging news here when we go back to Colossians chapter 4. Paul also understands in 15 and 16 that, that there are others. There's brothers at Laodicea. There's another church. It, it's not just Ephesus and Philippi. It, it's not just Colossians. There, there's other brothers. There, there's brothers there at Laodicea. There, there's brothers and sisters that are meeting in the, the church of this woman, Nephia. In her home. Ah, she, she's a fellow laborer. See, she's a fellow servant. Why? Because she's raising dust. She's opening up her home. That the church might have a place to worship. Right? We heard about that last night, didn't we? From Raya and Lily. Of opening up their home. Worship begins. What a blessing. What a, what a dust raiser. See, this is what Paul is acknowledging. The people, but also their work, which is a whole variety, isn't it? There, there's a whole bunch of things. There's letter carriers. There's prayer warriors. There's encouragers. There's pastors. There's comforters. There's doctors. There's church workers. The church is filled with that variety. Paul, 1 Corinthians 12, right? One body, many parts, but they all serve their own function. We, we have all these dust raisers, all of these servants who are hurriedly running for the opportunities to minister. They all run under the name of Jesus Christ. They all run under that banner, but they all don't necessarily run doing the same thing. Each of us is called. Each of us is gifted. Each of us is equipped. Why? Because we're sanctified. The Holy Spirit lives within us, and the Holy Spirit has entered into our hearts and into our lives. The Holy Spirit fills us, and the Holy Spirit gives us that which we need to minister, to be a deacon, to be a fellow servant. See, part of sanctification, part of that process of the Holy Spirit working within us, is that we let less and less dust settle under our feet. And I'm going to say it again. Those of you in those retirement years who, are, who take on that mindset of, well, I'm old, it's time for me to pack it up and settle down. The Holy Spirit would not let you pack it up and settle down. The Holy Spirit would want to continue to expand the opportunities for your ministry. You might have to shuffle a little bit more than you run, but he's still getting you to move. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. It may be in different ways than you used to be able to serve, but it's still serving. 
It's not, nope, don't do nothing in church anymore. Done with that time period in my life. The Holy Spirit would never do that in our hearts and in our lives. He would always be encouraging us to raise some dust in our ministry work in the church of Jesus Christ and in this world. Thirdly are Paul's reminders that come to us here. Reminder number one, read the letters, right? Verse 16, and when this letter has been read among you, Paul's vision is that this word, this letter, is not just read by a few people and then interpreted to others. It's not just read by uh, a group of leaders who then tell the people what it is. Paul's purpose is that here is the word, now read it. Read it. Read it amongst yourselves. Read it openly. Read it publicly. Hear the word of the Lord. But then Paul adds a little bit of curiosity to us, doesn't he? There's There's this little... And have it read in the church of the Laodiceans. Okay, so we read it, our our letter to Colossa, we read it here in Colossa. What should we do? Well, we should read it, but then we should pass it on to the church at Laodicea so that they can read. But then it says, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. So if you go to your index, the front of your Bible, find for me the book of Laodicea. The epistle of Paul to Laodicea, it's not there. But Paul says there's a letter. Paul says there's a letter, no doubt. But we don't have the letter. We don't have a letter that's addressed to the church of Laodicea. Correct. What does that mean? We lost one of the books of the Bible? No. We lost a letter that Paul wrote to the church of Laodicea. How many letters do you think Paul might have written in his life? Do you think these are the only letters Paul penned? The only time Paul wrote a letter is when he wrote an inspired letter? You don't think he ever wrote letters for the sake of writing a letter to inform people of what is going on and what is happening? Of course he did. So what does this show us? What this shows us is the fact that if there was a specific letter to the Laodiceans, it was not inspired. It came from Paul, yes, but it did not come from Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit. Oh, I think one showed up much later in history that tried to work its way in and becomes one of those you know, false gospels that gets raised. But it, it's pretty easy uh, historically and, and even theologically to pick the, the book apart that, that it's not the writing of Paul, we, we, time-wise and everything else. But there is another possibility. You see, Tychius is going to be bringing this letter and delivering this letter from Rome. Where is Tychius going to go from Rome? Well, the route is, from Rome, the next stopping point would be Ephesus. Is there a letter to the church at Ephesus? 
Yes, we've been, as we've been going through this, we've been constantly referencing back and forth, right? How, how there is a parallel between that which is happening in Colossa and that which is happening in Ephesus. And, and the books pattern themselves after one another. Perhaps Tychius delivers the letter to the Ephesians. And Paul says, take that one to the Laodiceans as well. Now, the fact is, Laodicea and Colossa, as we had in our very first sermon, are very short distance apart. But you're about over 100 miles to Ephesus. Are you going to say to the church at Colossa, share the letter of Ephesus? That's over 100 miles. Or are you going to say, share the letter that I passed on to the Laodiceans? That's about 10 miles away. Hmm. So there is another possibility. But in end, we don't know. We, we just leave it there. We have Colossians. That is what God wanted us to have. If there was a specific letter to the Laodiceans, we don't have it. Because God didn't want us to have it. For whatever reason and for whatever purpose. He has in glorifying Christ. But there is one last point for this morning. He gives another reminder not only about the reading of these letters, he reminds this man, Archippus, to fulfill his ministry. To fulfill his ministry. Who is this Archippus? Well, we know that Ephaphras is the pastor of the church, but he's with Paul at this present time. Archippus is most likely the fellow who's substituting. He's the substitute. He's the guest, pastor, for, for the period of time. Or, or he's the pulpit supply for a period of time. Paul says to him, fulfill your ministry. Personally. He addresses this man individually. When you read it, I think we'd all agree, it's sort of a call-out, isn't it? It's sort of like, okay, I'm going to name you. Uh, you need to fulfill your ministry. Now, we don't know why he isn't fulfilling it, why it appears that, that he hasn't been. Perhaps he's young, like Timothy. Maybe he's timid. Maybe he's lazy. Maybe he's uncertain. Right? Put yourself in this guy's situation. The pastor is gone. You're the guy that's in for a period of time until the pastor comes back. Do you feel kind of like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know how energetic to get into this thing. I don't know how much to give myself to this. Because as soon as Ephraim is back, he's pastor. But Paul looks at it and says, no. For whatever period of time you have the opportunity to minister, fulfill it. Don't hold back. Don't wait. Don't sit back. Do that which you are called to do. You cannot be a servant of Jesus Christ and let dust gather under your feet. Fulfill the ministry that you have been given. I'm not going to call you out by name. 
Because then I'd probably have to, I'd have to include myself in this as well. But I think it is a good question. Could Paul, could the Holy Spirit this morning be placing before you your name in verse 17? Is the Lord this morning, the whole purpose of this message is that the Holy Spirit might grab hold of you and when it says, and say to, put your name in there, fulfill your ministry. Stir up some dust. Get moving. Get to work. Serve. Use your towel. Wash some feet. Be that prayer warrior. Be that encourager. Be that comforter. Be that runner. Fulfill your ministry. What is the Lord this morning placing upon your heart? That's something that I should be doing. Not guilting you into it, because then I'd give you statistics. Come on, we need this. Come on, we need this. Come on, come on. We're not doing that. I want you to think in your own heart. Is the Holy Spirit calling you to raise some dust around here about? When is it time to get those feet moving? to do in your role, in your responsibility as a deacon, as a servant of Jesus Christ. We got a lot of dirt sitting around this place (laughs) from that building addition, right? Yeah, a lot of dirt. a lot of work. There's a lot of ministry. How do I know that? I look at this world. I know families. I see hurts. I see pains. I see needs. And it's time you and I stop saying, let's let somebody else do that. We need to look at our own hearts. And hear Paul say to us, and now, Bob, fulfill your ministry. Because it's when the church of Jesus Christ serves that we become an attraction to this world. It is said of that first century church that in the midst of its persecution, as it was being persecuted, that it was drawing, drawing, drawing. Do you know why it was drawing? Because the world saw this. Look how they love one another. If you're concerned about where we're at in our state, in our nation, and in our world, then the church of Little Farms needs to be 
a beacon of light that loves, serves. And we need to do this together. We can't be off in all different directions. We need to be together more than ever in this world. We need to do that which we have committed ourselves to do. Take your bulletin. Turn to the very front page. What is it that we have committed ourselves to do? Front page. We describe who we are as Little Farms Chapel, a community of ordinary people who have been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to live and serve. Oh, serve. Let no dust under our feet, a loving and gracious God. Say with me, please. We believe that God has placed Little Farms Chapel in this community to study and submit to his word to seek the lost, to celebrate in worship, and to equip believers for service so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, many people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Where is the dust going to be behind your feet in fulfilling this mission? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this reminder from the Apostle Paul. From his prison cell, he sees himself as a dust raiser. But he's amongst many others. Oh, what a blessing, what a teaching, what a word for us today. We thank you, Father, for those fellow servants who are mentioned there. And I thank you, Lord, for the fellow servants the dust raisers of Little Farms Chapel who rush to ministry, who rush to serve, who rush, Father, to use the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to them in service to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Father, we pray, we pray that you would be pleased to use us in this world to be a light to this world. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.